I'm so glad you're all here. Um, the Lord has been talking to me for a couple months now about what is coming and the positioning of a heart to be ready for what's coming and to learn to see from his perspective and not our own. And I get excited when I think about the, the, the awakening that's happening throughout the earth, really. But you hear about it in America and how there's these pockets, again, of places where the pouring of the Spirit of God is just large. And the miracles and the people getting saved and people being delivered from bondages. And it's just, it's exciting. But I also know that this time it's not going to be that we have to travel for a thousand miles to go be a part of what God is doing because he's going to bring it to every place that is open to receive him. It's exciting. It is so exciting. And uh, the Lord woke me one night and he gave me this word and he it was a, it was a word it was it was an instruction it wasn't a word really it was an instruction for me um, as an intercessor that he wanted me to begin to pray for the people's hearts to be ready to receive the outpouring of the presence of God and I I thought that that was kind of an interesting thing because who doesn't want the outpouring of the presence of God? Who doesn't want people to be saved? Who doesn't want people filled with the Spirit? Who doesn't want people to be healed? Who doesn't want to see the dead raised? There's so much that comes with God's outpouring with his manifest presence. And then the Lord reminded me of the last time he did it. Now, I don't know how many of you remember the last time that the Lord poured out in a magnificent way, but I'll tell you what, the body of Christ didn't all come together and go, woo-hoo, God's here. They started to argue and to complain. Well, I don't know why it's happened over there. It's not up until we're here. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I heard stories about those people over there. They're doing some weird things. You know, somebody told me they were up in Canada and they heard people acting like talk or uh, balking like chickens and barking like dogs. That's got to be the devil. Were you there? No, no, but my friend was there. They were telling me about it. Well, my friend's friend. But I would believe them because why would they say such a thing? And then pastors started going, well, wait a minute, you know, we got to be careful what we do here. We don't want to scare the world off. No, that looks a little weird. Maybe you should pull it in a tad. Don't be so loud. You know, this is a true story. A dear friend of mine at the church that we went to long ago had somebody actually approach her and say, when you worship, it, it, you squeal, this loud screech, and I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I really wish you wouldn't do that. Well, maybe her screech is a little annoying to some people, but it is music to God's ears because he said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Not shout unto the Lord because you have nothing better to do with your time. Your shout is because you are declaring the triumph that was won for us on the cross of Calvary, but not just the cross, but the resurrected Christ. 
who rose himself up by the dead because they are three separate entities, but they are all one. And I never heard anybody raising themselves from the dead. And I can guarantee you, you cannot talk to one person who serves any idols in any nation that can say that they were once alive and now they've died and now they're back alive again. Only Jesus. Because he's the only true God, right? I don't know if I can stay sitting down. So, then I began to realize, oh, when the outpouring comes, it's going to ruffle feathers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make people sometimes feel uncomfortable. I can give you an example of a time the Spirit of God was poured out and God made himself known and it made people feel very uncomfortable. It was back when Peter had, was having church and Ananiah and Sapphira, a husband and wife team, they wanted to be uh, part of the prestigious and so because other people were selling their property and bringing the money in so that the poor could have. So Ananiah and Sapphira, they decided amongst themselves Let's go do the same thing, but hold back some. And people will think, wow, look at how generous they are. And they won't even know what we did. And so they went to church. The man went first, and he gave his, and he gave it to Peter. Here's my money. We sold some property. We want the church to have it. And Peter said, why are you lying to the Spirit of God? He was dead. Sorry, he was dead. Right there, in front of everybody, God struck him dead. Why? Because he lied in the presence of a holy God. He wasn't in church. He was playing church. He was walking in sin, hidden sin, and flaunting it so that people wouldn't know he had his, hid his sin. And God said, I'm not putting up with that. I want you to know that made the people all around really uncomfortable. It's called the fear of the Lord. Then his wife came in later. You know, she had an agreement with her husband, but she didn't know what had happened. You know, it's like sometimes I come in late and then my husband comes later, that type of thing. So she came in and I did the same thing. Yes, my husband and I sold the property, and we gave it all to you. And Peter said, the feet of the men that just carried your husband out are on their way back, and they will take you next. And boom, she died. People got really uncomfortable then. I mean, when God does something twice, I think he's making a point. And I think in my own heart, oh, God, what is in there that would offend you? What is in there that would keep me from walking and receiving what you have for me and being bold in doing it? You know, when Peter and John walked past the man at the gate beautiful and the man wanted them to give money and he said, can't give you much money here, but I can give you something better. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man got up and he walked. And he had never walked, and he was in his 40s. He was born that way. They took Peter and John to court because they said, you're not supposed to do stuff like that in the name of Jesus. And then they took them to prison. 
And then they had to let him out because they didn't have any reason to keep him in. They just didn't like it. It was messing things up for them. Can you imagine a government not wanting the church to rise up and having it mess things up for them? But when they came out, they didn't say, wow, was that awful. I mean, can you believe they did that? All we did was help somebody. That's all we did. All we did was help them. We didn't take anything for it. We didn't charge them. We didn't make them sign anything. We didn't go around telling people. In fact, we told them to be quiet. But no, they didn't like it. They don't like Jesus because Jesus rose and he's not supposed to be known as rose because he's really God and they don't want him to know he's really God. And we messed everything up. And I, Can you believe he did that? I can't. That's it. Why would God let that happen? I'm never going back. Obviously, it wasn't God's will. And I messed up. Because we all know we can do that on our own, right? I can go and I can raise somebody, you know, who's lame and I can, I can heal their legs and I don't need Jesus for that. How stupid. I mean, really, seriously, when people say some of the things they say, you go, are you kidding me? Have you thought that one through? Oh, they're just drunk. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. No. Every time I get drunk, I can speak in, un I can speak in languages, you know, like all of a sudden I speak in French. And then I can speak in Spanish, and then I can speak in Italy, and then I'm really good because I get into Chinese. You don't know how to do those things when you're drunk. That doesn't give you the ability. How foolish for people to say such things. But when people are desperate, they don't know what to say. They say silly things. When God comes in a great way, it is going to be an incredible thing. And we are going to have an opportunity to decide, is that really God? Does God really make a person look like that because he's on them? Don't, should people really be laughing so much in church? I mean, it's a solemn, holy place. I mean, see, she's, she's laughing. Why is she laughing? Because God is good, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Why in the world would we not laugh when his presence is there? And his presence is fullness of joy. Look it up. It's in the Bible. His presence brings us peace. Sometimes the peace is so peaceful, you look like you just died. But you didn't. You're just, boop, in God's presence. Well, that's peace. People stepping over you and you don't even twitch. I saw a person one time fall under the power of God. There were steps and they just went back. Whoop. Not like you'd see on TV, this cute little, I feel faint. <laughs> no, they just went boop, like that. Straight as a board. Whoop. And they were laying on the stair, and their head was here, but their body didn't fold in. They were like this, stiff. And I remember going, wow. Now, God, that's cool. Because I never saw anything like that. How cool is that? God was making a point. They're not faking it, because nobody can do that unless you've been to Pilates for years. I know I've tried it. You need a lot of it. 
Your body's not strong enough to do that. Not for the length of time that they did it. Never move. People were walking over them. They didn't care. They didn't budge. They didn't even know because God had them. They were in the presence of God. And he was ministering life and healing in them. He was changing their heart and showing his power and making them into that creature, that new creation that he makes us when we come to him. And when we're hungry for him, he gives us more. So there's this ladies group that I lead, and we used to have fire tunnels. And uh, if you don't know what a fire tunnel is, it's when people who are all people are lined up on both sides, and, then, and they're praying in the spirit, and the anointing of God is there, and there's worship going, and people are just in God's presence, and they go through, and that anointing hits them. And if you walk in and you walk out, you pretty much have off on my receptor of God because the anointing is so strong, it, you can hardly stand as the person standing while they're walking under. And we did this one time at a birthday party for a friend of ours. And she, do you remember? I was behind her. And she, all of a sudden, God hit her. And she bent at the knees. I would show you, but it's not possible that I know of. And was like a board from her knees up. And she did, so how would it be? She did this. She's standing, and here's her knees. She went like this. So she's standing, and then she made a right angle. That's what I'm trying to say. She made a right angle. And we all, like the people that were there on the outside, went down to catch her. We thought she was falling. I'm behind her. I went to catch her. And then we all stood back and went, wow. Okay. Well, we know she didn't fake that. Never saw anything like that. It was amazing. Why did it look like that? I don't know. What was God doing in her? I don't know. But I know one thing. When God shows himself as someone who can do what no one else can do, that's something. Now, let's flip over to the enemy camp. This isn't his camp, but I'm just going to, for sake of, I'm, that's how I do things. So, the enemy, the Satanists, okay? You know they're Satanists. They tell you, I'm a Satanist, and I can do whatever I want, and it don't hurt me. And they take a snake, and they let it bite it, and it's a viperous, deadly snake, and they don't die. And you go, wow, now that's power. Who would do that? But they would do that to prove. The enemy is a liar, and he's bold, and he's brash, and he's pushy. And he's demanding. And because he makes his power known, you do that and I'll take you out now. We think, whoa. But God is kind and he's gentle. And he's patient and he's long-suffering and he will not go against your will. He will not go against your will. And we think he's weak sometimes. And we think when he manifests himself in weird ways, that's just, that can't be God. Because God wouldn't be weird. How do you know? 
Have you ever been in God's presence? I mean, seriously, this is the thing that happens. I'm not saying any of you think any of these things. This, I'm just saying, this is what I have experienced in my few years here on earth, walking through the Jesus People Movement. I was there. The outpouring that God did in Toronto. We went. We had to travel to get there. How awesome. We don't have to travel the next time. They may they'll come here. <laughs> There's going to be things, and this is what I want you to understand. There's going to be things that we don't understand when the power of God is unleashed among us, and we have got to trust God. We have to know him. We have to understand that there are things I don't understand. I was raised that you cannot get, you can't pray for somebody to get healed unless you are a strong Christian. And then I heard that Bethel was sending people out, and this guy, this, this team went to these people, these couple guys sitting on a bench, and the one guy said, I, think, I feel like God told me that you have something wrong with your shoulder, and I'd like to pray for you. Do you mind? He goes, no, I don't mind. And the guy, he got healed him. So then the guy next to him said, well, my back's really hurt. They said to that guy that just got healed, why don't you pray for him? I thought, oh, God, that's not you. You wouldn't do that. That person doesn't know you. Well, the guy prayed for him, and he got healed. Well, God, that's not how I thought it was supposed to be. And you know what? God didn't care that I had it wrong. He just showed me he can do what he wants, when he wants, the way he wants, because he's God. Now, do I believe that people are going to bark like dogs because the presence of God is there? No. Do I believe people are going to walk around like chickens because God is there? No, not my God. But they may make sounds that are not clearly understood because the moanings and the groanings that come from within our innermost man when the presence of God is on us and we begin to travail, the word talks about how we travail with sounds of moaning and groaning because there's no words to utter what's in our innermost being because our mind doesn't always understand what God is doing in our innermost. It's like his love. Do we understand why he loves us like he loves us? No. But can we receive it? Yes. I'm glad I don't have to understand it to get it or I'd be in trouble because in my book, nobody sends their only child to suffer a horrible death so that I can be adopted into their family that isn't logical in human reasoning. But God did it because his love for us is that great. Now, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> so you got that all free. <laughs> Pastor Steve has been talking about reaping and sowing, and I do want to prepare you because I'm not prepared for what's coming because I don't know even what it is. I know, what, I know that I saw things and I did things I never thought that I would see or do. Because when God's presence is there in a manifest, large way, he gives you the ability to do what you're called to do and your faith is built because he's there. When God's not there... Sometimes our faith isn't built up and our hope is waning. It's like, well, I hope he shows up. I'm only here by myself. I hope he shows up because it won't be any fun if you don't. But when everybody comes and everybody's excited, it's easy to have hope and to know that he's going to show up. There's times that we just need a little bump from the Lord to know who he is and what he does. 
But what God showed me, and it's, and it's what I want to talk about, really, and it's just a, a blip on this, but um, when David became king, you, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 6 and, and in 1 Chronicles 13 to 16, because they, they uh, correlate themselves as you read one, then uh, they, the, I looked it up. They don't really know who wrote the book of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, but they think that Ezra wrote First and Second Kings. Well, it'll say all of the books and all of the things that took place were written down by the scribes or whatever. If you read at the end of Kings, and all the rest of the story, you know, was written down by somebody. And um, but the story is about David becoming king. You know, David wasn't king at first. He was anointed as king. But his time didn't come for 13, I think it was 13 years. He had to run from Saul. Well, then when Saul died, he became king of Judah, but he still didn't become king of Israel. That came, I think, seven years after that. I'm not positive of my math because I forgot to look that part up. But that's not the point. The point is now he's king. All of Israel, Judah and Israel together combined. Now he is the king of Israel. And his first desire was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is what God had Moses' uh, people build when Moses was taking them in the desert, and they put things in that. There's some really crazy things that were in there. I'm not going to go into that, but um, when Samuel was a child because he wasn't supposed to be, he, you know, he didn't come for his mother, wanted a child, couldn't have a child, couldn't have a child. Well, then one year when they went to show themselves and offer their sacrifices, she cried out, Hannah cried out to the Lord for a child. And Eli, the priest, said, God says you're going to have what you want. By this time next year, you'll have. And she did. But her promise to the Lord was, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And so God gave her a child, and after he was weaned, she gave him to Eli, the priest, to live in the temple and to be a helper there and do whatever God wanted to do with him. And so Eli was a wicked priest, and so were his sons, who were priests also in the priestly priesthood line because they, if you go back to the Old Testament, back in uh, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, God set things up, and he said that the priest will be in the line of the Levites and the high priest has to be under this line of Aaron. And this is how God set up his, his authorities and his government in the church. So Eli was the high priest. So he, everything fell on him. But he was not a good high priest. And his sons were never trained to be good high priests. And they were wayward. He never stepped in to stop them. And they did bad things in the temple. And one day God told Samuel, go tell Eli, he's going to go. And when he dies, his sons will die too, all at the same time. Because he did not have the fear of the Lord or the care of the things that God gave him properly. God is serious about himself and what he requires. And he's fun. And he, Jesus loved to laugh, and he loves children, but that doesn't change the fact that there is a way to do something, and it must be done in that way because our God is a holy God. So they went to battle. Saul and Jonathan were killed. Israel lost. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines when 
Eli found out he fell backwards, broke his neck, and died. His sons were killed immediately as well. And the woman who was bearing the child um, for one of the sons, she went into birth. And she named him Ichabod because that means the glory has left. God is serious about his holiness and how we handle it. So, now, David is going to go get the ark. Woo-hoo. We're going to bring God's presence back to Israel. And he was excited, and he got people together, and off they went to get that ark. And the ark was on a cart. Because when the Philistines stole it, they put it in the cart, and they took it. Well, when they put it in their temple, then the next morning, their god Dagon was face down. So they put him back up again. The next day they came and he was face down. His head was off and his hands were off. They realized this isn't good. Plus, there was people dying left and right because God put out plagues everywhere because they had no business touching something that was holy. And God would not put up with it. And then they didn't know what to do. And so then they, they made little gifts. They, they, they made golden mice. There was five golden mice. The people think that they made five because there were five leaders like in the government that were involved in this. One for each strand, I guess. And they put these tumors in there that are actually hemorrhoids. I don't know how you make a hemorrhoid out of gold, but they put those in the ark and they took it back because they were trying to offer an appeasement offering to the God who was destroying their nation because he didn't belong in that nation. And he was not going to be around other gods because there is only one. So they put it on this cart and they put it on a, with a, a mothered, it's so funny, but they put it on, I think it was an ox, but it was a female that had just had a baby. And they figured if this is really God, if this is that God, and this is really the problem, then it, this mother is going to leave her baby and she's not going to come back. Well, it left its babies. It did not come back because it was God, and God was making a point. So this ark is on a cart. So David goes over to get the ark, and as they're returning back, all excited and joyful, the ark hit a bump, and it went like this. And when the cart made the ark go like this, this priest who was standing there went like this to steady it. He didn't want it to fall, and he died like that. David, the word says, got offended at God. Here I am, doing the right thing. You know I love you. You've, I've done great things because of you, because of your love for me, and you empower me, and you've set me on, in this position as king, and I just want to honor you. And that poor guy, he was just trying to keep the ark from falling on the ground. And what do you do? You kill him. Right there on the spot, boom, dead. And I remember reading this as a child and thinking, well, that's not fair. I mean, think about it. He wasn't trying to do anything wrong. He was just trying to help. Sad, isn't it? And that's what happens when we get into our own self and our own ideas and our own perspective. Because it was sad. But it wasn't sad because the poor guy was mistreated. It was sad because David did not follow the commands of God. 
and somebody else paid for it. David was so offended and upset at God that he left it right there at Obed Odenomem, so I don't know how to say the guy's name, his house. And he went back to Jerusalem. And for three months, he never did anything. He just went on with his kingliness and all the things that they do. Three months later, David contacted the priests and the high priest. And he said, listen, we're going to go, and we are going to get that ark, and we are going to bring it back. Because I hear, listen to this, I hear that Obed has been really prospering since the ark came. And he, they're not dead. Like, David didn't get it. He thought there was something awful was going to happen if he brought it back. So he left at this guy's house. How would you like to be that guy? <laughs> Thanks, David. I'll let you know for alive in three weeks. You know, I mean, really, the, the, way that we, the way we think sometimes is so funny to me. I just amaze myself when I think about what I do, and I think, oh, it was really dumb. So this man's prospering for three months, and where it gets out, everything's going well. Like, well, he's prospering in everything he does. And David goes, huh, I think I missed something. So he went to the priest and he said, you know what? I made a mistake. I didn't do it right. So I want you to get the priests that are supposed to and get the poles because they're supposed to walk with it on their shoulders. God made a way for them to carry that thing and not get hurt. If you look it up, it's in... My phone. <laughs> I looked it up. I can't remember where it was at now. But there was a place in the Bible, the Old Testament, that tells us this. And it says, Numbers 4.15 will tell you, that the Levites are the ones who are supposed to carry the ark, and that no one was to touch the ark, not even the sons of Korath, and they were priests. The result of doing so was death. Now that was in the Torah, and David had the writings of God. But David didn't do it right. And then he was offended at God, because God did what he said he would do. And so sometimes we can't receive from the Lord because we're offended. I don't know why that person died when they weren't supposed to die. They were still young, and I've been praying and praying and praying for that person. How come they died, God? I don't understand. You said that we can, we can pray for the sick and they'll recover. How come they died? God, I don't understand. You're my provider, but I just lost my job. God, I don't understand this. If you raise up your children the way they should go, when they're older, they should not depart from that. God, I don't understand. You ever do this? Have you ever gone back to God and said, God, I don't understand. I don't think it's wrong to do that. I think that God wants us to ask him because he wants to talk to us and he wants to show us and help us to understand. And I believe that's what David did. Now, the Bible doesn't say David went to God and said, God, I don't understand. But what's funny is David is so human when he noticed the man was prospering, he decided, let's bring it to Jerusalem. Isn't that what we do? So when David did it right, they brought the ark without a glitch. 
But David also had a new understanding of what it means to fear the Lord and to walk in all his statutes. You don't cut corners with God. You don't do an Ananias and Sapphira and keep stuff to yourself and don't tell anybody and hope nobody finds out because who's going to tell? There are things that we sometimes do in our own understanding because it just makes sense to us at the moment. And then we look back and go, oh, why did I do that? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. So what I am saying is that there is coming a revival like we've never known. But even if it didn't come in our lifetime, which I believe it is, soon, yes, very soon, but even if it doesn't, I have to know that my heart is right before the Lord at all times. When things don't go like I think they should go or when I hear something that I think it shouldn't be that way, do I judge? Do I criticize? Do I blow it off? Do I say, God, that's not right and I'm leaving because I, I, I just, I just, nobody says this. I'm not talking to you, God, for the rest of this week because I'm mad at you. But what do we do? We don't talk to God for the rest of the week because we're mad at him. We just don't say it that way because, you know, you don't want to get struck by lightning. This is how we talk. But the truth is, we always reap what we sow. And that's what Pastor Steve has been talking about. If David would have obeyed and sown obedience in getting the cart the first time and doing it the right way the first time, Uzzah would still be alive. David wouldn't have gone through three months of offense at a God who just did what he said. These are the rules. And I've said to my grandkids, you have to be disciplined. Why? Because I told you to do this, and you didn't do it. Yeah, now it's my turn. That's what we tell our children. Okay, these are the rules. You don't follow them. Now it's my turn. Why do we do that? Because we're meaning on bending? No, because we understand that we are raising our children so that they will respond to God that way. I want my grown children, when God speaks, to be obedient quickly, not after God counts to three. I want my grown children and my grandchildren growing up to understand that you don't argue and decide and wait and then decide and then finally follow God. Yes, God is slow to anger, and he's great in loving kindness, and he forgives us and will never hold it against us again if we truly repent. But our goal is to be, yes, Lord, what do you want? Okay. And then you do it. Am I there? In my mind, I'm, I'm, you know, if you can see it, you can do it. I practice. Oh, God, I missed that one. I'm sorry. I step back. I'm sorry. I want to move when you say to move. I want to stop if you tell me to stop. I want to read what you want me to read. I want to say what you want me to say. Because you have a reason for it that's way beyond my understanding. I don't know. I mean, seriously, when this thing happened with Jeannie, this is a silly example, but when Jeannie ended up having to go back to the hospital and they had to cancel worship, I didn't get my email in time 
Well, I got it probably, but I didn't check it in time. I'm bad at that. So I just left work and I just came. And then I looked and found out we weren't having it, but I was here with Sharon, so we're worshiping. And I heard the Lord say, just tell Pastor Steve that you can do the worship. I'm thinking, that couldn't be you, God. <laughs> you want these people to worship? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh, God. Oh, God. I know the right answer. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll think about it. I put my phone down, and I'm, and I'm worshiping the Lord, right? No, I'm, I'm struggling. Oh, God. This is not a big deal. Nobody is going to throw tomatoes at you. Just do it. God, you really want me to do this? Well, maybe he doesn't want me to. I'll just ask him. Would, would it help you if I did worship Sunday? I get back, oh, that'd be great, thanks. Okay. Okay. And then I had to repent. Why? Because why didn't I just say yes? Because it's not a strength for me. Because it's not something I do often. Because it's not something I can do like I would like it to be. I struggle. That's why we do things what we do, the way we do it. Because it's not, it's not like I wanted to disobey God. I just didn't want to obey him. You ever feel like that? God, I really have to say that to Joe? Joe, of all people, Joe? It's not always easy to be swift in our obedience, but that's what we want. And we have to remember and I just love that. What we do, we reap what we sow, we reap what we sow, we reap what we sow. God, get that into my head, get that into my heart, get that into my spirit. I reap what I sow. I want to sow righteousness because I want to reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you know that true wisdom comes from the Lord? And it comes, if you read it in James, it says that it comes with peace. When you sow in peace seeds. You reap righteousness and wisdom. You sow, oh wait, I said the wrong. When you sow seeds in righteous seeds in peace, you reap wisdom. Well, if I'm not in peace, my wisdom's not going to be very godly. Now, I can say, you know, wisdom says you really ought to do this because they say if you don't, blah, 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 blah. So whose wisdom is that? Well, the Bible says if it's not God's wisdom, then the other wisdom, there's only two out there. God's wisdom, which is sown in peace and righteousness, which means you're in right standing with God, or there's worldly peace, which is earthly and demonic. So if you ever wonder if what you decided was wisdom was really wisdom, look at the fruit, because one's going to stink. And one's going to shine with the glory of God. I only know that because of experience. Maybe y'all haven't experienced that like I have. But wanting to do what is right sometimes is not so easy. So my request, which I believe is the Lord, I felt like God said, Tell, ask the people to go home. This week, ask God, have I been offended by you? Do I not come to you freely and boldly because something happened that it didn't work like I thought it should and I now don't want to come because it may not work again? Or I'm offended because of something that you allowed to happen that I don't think should have happened? Because that will keep you 
from receiving the whole of what God has for you. And as we prepare for the revival that is coming, ask God to give you his heart and his perspective and his mind. Because when things come, and I'm telling you, they're coming, we don't want to judge from our own understanding. We don't want to judge from our own experiences. But we want to trust God, knowing that the leader he's given us is going to know God's heart. And he's going to help to direct us as we grow and multiply. Because many are going to come in, and they're not going to look like you want them to look. And many are going to come in, and they're not going to sound like you want them to sound. And many are going to come in that look good and sound good, but they have wrong perspectives. Or they're just sharp. Did you hear the way they said that? I wish they'd find another church. We can do that. It's our sin nature, and we have to keep it underfoot. And we need to walk in the love of God and trust him and see what he does because everything he does is wonderful. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Help us to remember we can be offended by you. We can be offensive to other people, but we don't want any of it. We don't want to hold on to things that will hold back you in our life. We don't want to hold on to things that will hold other people back in their walk with you. We want to be that people who are willing to say, yes, Lord, no matter what it is, because we know your voice that well we trust our hearing. And Father, when you come and you come and it gets larger and better, I ask that you would continue to help us to sow seeds in peace seeds of righteousness so that we can have the wisdom of God to know what to do and when to do with what you've given us to do. I thank you, Father, for everybody that is here, that everyone is here because they want to be here and they know you and they love you and they long for a greater intimate relationship with you. And I ask that anything that holds us back, God, that you would show us so that we can get rid of it. And if we pick it back up again, show us so we get rid of it. And help change our heart and our thinking so that we can sow seeds of righteousness and seeds of righteousness and more seeds of righteousness. That righteousness would be at the harvest. And many will see and fear and put their trust in you. Because when you're in right standing with you, there is nothing we cannot do. So I thank you and I praise you. And I thank you for touching Pastor Steve and Becky and the kids. And as Rob prayed this morning, we all just put an amen to that. Let it be quick, Father. You said that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes what it was sent forth to do. And you said, in the name of Jesus, you will heal the sick. And so we know that you will accomplish your word to the full, not because of us, but because you're faithful to your word and you watch over it so that you do it. So we honor you and we praise you this day. Thank you for being here. Continue to fill us fuller with the power of your presence, the spirit of the living God. We love you. Amen. <laughs>